Uh, it's crazy. God is moving. God is uh, speaking. Um, it's a, a special thing. Special thing what God is doing. And I'm so grateful you're here. I really am. Like, I, I hope that I hope that while you're here, you don't just say, hey, it's Easter Sunday, we come to church once a year. I just really pray that you uh, decide to make this your community and your home. Uh, we really, really love God, and we really love people, and we really believe that God has equipped us in this season, not just to have you encounter the presence of God, but to help you with everything you need for the purposes of God. And presence and purpose are not necessarily synonymous. Uh, God's always with us. He can show up anywhere. But the purposes of God are not the same thing as the presence of God, meaning that we have to be prepared and equipped for the purposes of God. The presence of God, you just gotta believe, confess your sins, God shows up, meets you right where you're at, but he does meet you there to go somewhere. And we believe we're going somewhere as a church community. We believe that this isn't about um, making this place bigger, but making your hearts and your souls and your calling bigger so you can go out in the world and achieve all that God has called you to do. Um, we don't want this to be a place where you experience heaven here and hell everywhere else. Our jobs are to make things on earth as they are in heaven. So you're supposed to take what we learn here and bring it to the rest of the world uh, with love and with truth. And if you notice, people are really good at loving, not so great at truth. People are really good at truth, not so great at love. And it's both. And I believe that in this specific season, uh, Oasis has always represented a place where people can find love but it also represents a place where people can find the truth. And when we are carriers of the truth and givers of love, I didn't say this at the 9.30, but somebody at the 11.15, when we are carriers of the truth, we live the truth and givers of love, God can do miraculous, miraculous things um, in our life. And so I'm excited to be here and, and super grateful for you. I've been thinking about this weekend a lot because believe it or not, my wife and I took over the church four months before the pandemic. And so we were only pastors of the church four months. And so within four months, my wife became my uh, film director, my editor, and we would set up the camera in the living room. This is one of the lowest points of my life. This was really bad. We had to turn off the AC because it was so hot. It was, the AC would pick up the noise. Uh, the camera would pick up the noise on the AC, so it would be hot in there. And the first sermon just went terrible. I'm like, man, when is the church going to open up? It was tough. But one time I was filming, and, and the sermon went really well, and I was killing it. My wife was amen, and she was the only person, she was the congregation going, amen, that's right. Man, the Holy Spirit was moving in our living room. The presence of God was there, and I've said, in Jesus' name, I did my little altar call, man, and I'm like, I know God moved. And as soon as I was done, my wife said, oh, no, the camera was off. <laughs> Y'all, I sat on that couch for 30 minutes and did not say, you want to do it again? I'm like, no, I don't want to do it again. I just want to go home. You are home. Oh, man, this is all. It was bad. And so today, I feel like, believe it or not, this is my very first time because after that, COVID was still going on. And then we did a worship service last year and Pastor Jason shared 20 minutes. But this is my first time as a lead pastor, well, not even as a lead pastor, my first time ever preaching an Easter sermon on a Sunday morning. Did you know that? And so I took this very seriously. This is a big deal, and I hope that it encourages you. Um, somebody asked me uh, a couple of months ago, if you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, and you couldn't listen to any other song, you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, which song would it be? I want you to get your song in your head 
right now. At the 9.30, they start yelling out songs. But 9.30 was super spiritual. Nothing but the blood. I'm like, oh. And somebody was like, your grace is sufficient by the such and such choir. I'm like, oh my God. Because I was so embarrassed to tell them what my song was. I'm lying, three people yelled out like, like songs, like the Lord, like bless the Lord, that's my song. It is well with my soul. And I was like, dang, man, I don't know how I became the pastor because my song is Juicy by Biggie. Dead serious, that's my song. I can tell you where I was when I heard that song. It had that old sample Remember that song, Come On Old Saints, Help Your Boy Out, Juicy by Matume? Come on, these young, these young people don't know nothing about that. Come on, old saints, I need you to help me out. Come on, come on, y'all. Who, who's in here over 50 and you didn't sing along? We gotta help out the young generation. The millennials like, what, what are you talking about? Cause y'all listen to that mumble rap stuff. I'll be seeing people in the car or seeing people and they just, and you know you don't understand them, you just be like. I'm like, if, if these people can make all that money doing that, I'm gonna start preaching like that. Jesus, resurrection, Jesus, resurrection. And y'all just better be like. Only understand two words and just start vibing. I'm gonna do that next Sunday and see how many of y'all come to church. I'm watching you. But I remember where I was, man, 1994. It was all a dream. This is the part that ain't saved. You, like, normally people who ain't saved sit in the back. They in the front. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. I'm like, yo. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. Whoa, what y'all know about Biggie? What you know about Biggie? And he was like, if you do do die do oh. He ain't cleared his throat in 10 years. Biggie hadn't cleared his throat in 10 years. And that's what gave him that rap voice. Cause he just like, he didn't cough, he didn't clear. If you do do die do oh. Remember where I was, man. That song was my jam and this was before you just could just be on Spotify. I had to go to a music store, buy the cassette tape, put the cassette tape in my cassette player, and when I wanted to hit the, come on somebody, when I wanted to listen, sorry, let's catch up some of y'all. A cassette tape is this little square thing with these two little things. Some of y'all don't even know what a CD is. Like, what is he talking about? He, he was born before streaming? Who is this guy? I thought I saw some gray hairs on his beard. No, seriously, I, we had to go buy the cassette tape and we listened to it. And when we, you want to listen to it again, you had to wait for it to rewind. <laughs> you had to wait for it to rewind. And I remember, man, this, out, this song was incredible. He was in the video. He was like this. I'm like, he had Timberlands on. Dude was doing pull-ups. I'm like, this is my favorite song of all time. And then the album dropped. And the ju song Juicy was, to me, almost like prophetic to the walk in Christianity because he was talking about remember how it was and how it is now. He said, I remember when Christmas missed us. Birthdays were the worst days. Now, the, come on, look, come on, you, and you on staff, and you on staff, and you the youth pastor talking about, now we ship champagne when we thirsty. <laughs> we are hiring y'all 
If any of y'all want to live a holy life, we are hiring. But yeah, he was saying this is how it was and this is how it used to be. And when I was thinking about that, that is the walk of Christianity. This is how it was and this is how it is now. Interestingly enough, Biggie had two albums. His first album, I believe he could have called Good Friday because the album was called Ready to Die. His second album, he could have called it Easter Sunday because his second album was called Life After Death. Literally, the journey of Christianity is those two albums. And I've been sent here by God to submit to you that everyone in this room is in the process of one of those two albums. Now, if you came in here to visit and you're not sure what you believe about God, then you haven't made Ready to Die yet, but you're in the studio. God put you in the studio the moment that he made you, and there's going to be a moment in your life where you got to be ready to make that album spiritually. I'm ready to let die. And not physically. Die means separate. I'm ready to separate. When someone dies, their soul is separated from their body. I'm ready to separate from the things that give me anxiety. I'm ready to separate from the things that I know are not the truth. I'm ready to separate from some circles of friends who love to see me be mediocre because it makes them feel like they're somebody. I'm ready to, oh, listen, man, you might have came with that friend to church today. Elbow him and say you that mediocre friend. Elbow him right now in the name of Jesus. We walking in truth. Some, please tell me somebody didn't elbow their husband. <laughs> he talking about you. No, I'm talking about all of us. We got to be careful, man. That's a joke. And then the second album was Life After Death. You, I, did you, if you haven't heard this man's album, I mean, if you listen to it and you never have, you'll be mad at me. I can't believe you recommended that we listen to this album. But I'm just saying the desperation. No, no one is ready to die without being desperate. He was desperate. But the second album, he was in videos with Puff Daddy with Versace shirts and waving Rolexes like this. Like, that wasn't the biggie that was on the block in Brooklyn. Something had changed. He was ready to die, meaning he didn't, and sometimes he said he felt suicidal, but what he really meant by the title of that album is I need this life to be over. You get a prophetic idea that I believe comes from God that the life you're living is not enough, that there's supposed to be a different life. And what the world tells you to do, just like they told Biggie, is that success and money and achievements are the path to, to the new life. But I am here to tell you, and you are here to celebrate, that none of those things are a path to a new life. It is the resurrection of Jesus that opens the door for a pathway to a new life. But... You can't fill a church telling them you got to be ready to make that first album because the second album, which is the life after death, which I believe can involve dreams and pursuits and purpose and sometimes prosperity and happiness and joy and peace, that second album comes from the desperation of the first one where you are saying, God, it's time for me to put some things in the grave. And the Lord wants me to tell you it's time for you to stop decorating your tomb and get out of it because we love to decorate our tombs, the place where things are dying, where dreams are dying. And, and, and some of you, your job is life if God has called you there, but it's a tomb if you know he's called you out because you are staying there out of comfort and you're dying slowly and then you hang up pictures or buy a new suit to wear to the thing because you're scared to do what you're called to do. And the, and the Bible says that God, if God is risen, so can you. So we are no longer afraid of dead things because we are the only religion that believes that their God was humiliated, killed, and resurrected. 
So that means humiliation should not be a worry for you. Looking bad should not be a worry for you. People say, if God is so good, why do all these bad things happen to good people? You should tell them our entire faith is based off a bad thing happened to a good person. Christ did nothing at all. And he was crucified for the sins of people. And so that's how we got here. And Paul said this about resurrection. In Philippians 3, verses 10 through 11, he said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Did you know that God can be known? I'm trying to separate. This weekend separates Christianity from all other religions and not to dishonor other religions. I believe that, that, that all people should be respected no matter what they believe. But, but I need you to know what separates you from other religions is not church attendance, although church attendance is awesome. I hope you make this your church home. If you do, I can give you my word. It will bless you, especially if you're consistent. I hope you pray. I hope you're in your word. But that is not what separates us because other religions go to church. Other religions pray. Other religions have books that they study. What separates us, what separates us is that our God cannot just be believed in, but known intimately. We have the only religion that says you can have an intimate relationship with your heavenly father. Has anybody ever heard that phrase, the only way to get to God is to Jesus? That's a lie. That's not what the Bible says. Matter of fact, it says in Romans 1 that we have no excuse not to believe that God is real. We have no excuse because we can look at creation and tell God is real. I asked an atheist one time, was there ever a moment in his life where he thought that God might be real? And he said, I was fishing on a lake in Canada and at sunset. And the way that the sun reflected off the snow-capped mountains, I started to think, this must be intentional. I used to believe in evolution. And, and in that moment, I started to question, I wonder if I got it wrong. And by the way, I know what schools teach. Evolution is ridiculous. It takes more faith to believe that than Jesus. Can I explain something to you? Some explosion created a molecule that created a, a, a little bigger molecule. And that molecule became like a little tadpole that was swimming. And that little tadpole got bigger. And then that little tadpole grew into a gorilla and a monkey. And in over thousands of years, the monkeys turned into humans. And those same humans go pay money at the zoo to see the monkeys. Come on, son, we're going to go see the people that didn't make it. <laughs> a monkey sitting there eating a banana like it's a cold world. Cold world. We in here, y'all out there. It's a cold world. Explosion didn't make it over to your board. Man. That, don't that sound stupid? Does that not sound stupid? I think the monkey should pay to see us and it would make more sense. Like, you guys, this is real. This had to be intentional. And this is what separates. But demons know that God is real. Did you know the Bible says demons know God is real? Demons know. It says, you believe in Jesus, good for you. Demons believe in Jesus. Demons believe in Jesus. They just don't follow him or worship him. We have to understand that this weekend separates us because it, it created this weekend, this three days, about 2,023 years ago, created a, a climax and a context where God could be known, not just believed in. And when you know someone, when you know someone, 
you're connected in a different way than when you don't know someone. If I told you that I knew LeBron James personally and intimately and we were best friends and then tried to tell you when the Laker game was on and you said, where are you? I said, I'm watching the Laker game at home. I couldn't get tickets. That would mean that I don't know LeBron James is my... Why would I know LeBron James intimately and can't go to a Laker game? That makes no sense. Now imagine if you know God, the places you could get into because you know God. Not just believe in him, I know him. I believe LeBron James is one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but I have to buy my Laker tickets like everyone else if I choose to go because I don't know him. You can believe in God all you want to, but that doesn't mean you have interest and accesses to places until you know him. I believe Beyonce can sing, but if I want to go to Beyonce concert, which I'm not, Nothing against Beyonce, but I'm not going to a Beyonce concert with my friends. There are two things I'll never do with my friends. Go, my God friends will never go to Beyonce uh, concert and will never eat ice cream together. I, don't, I just don't know what it is about a bunch of brothers going to get some ice cream together. It just doesn't seem like I want to do that with my wife, man. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm just saying, man. When one time, some of this leader in our church said, hey, you want to go get some frozen yogurt? I said, you got to find another church, man. I, like, I, I, I just... Like, I'm not about to watch you put M&Ms on your yogurt and, and cookie bites, and then you ask me what I want, and we just do that together, man. I'm just not feeling you right now, man. So it's my toxic masculinity coming out in front of the church on the Easter Sunday. He, we shouldn't come to this church. He won't even eat yogurt with his guy friends. This is toxic masculinity. Paul said, I want to know God, and I just believe I want to know God. Now, you ready for the good news? The good news is Jesus died for your sins. So you have a relationship with God that can never be taken from you if you believe in Jesus. Even if you sin, his, your sins have been washed away. He, his, his red blood has made you white as snow. If you believe in Jesus, you stand before him righteous. But that doesn't mean you know him. And how do you get to know God? Listen to what Paul says. I want to know God. And he gives us a clue on how he does that. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Paul said this is one of the ways that we can know God. We can experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So, so, so I told you the good news, Jesus died for your sin. Here's some not so good news because it doesn't feel good, but it'll be good in the end. When God says it's time for you to get to know me, he puts you in situations that only his power can get you out of. I know you said amen, but that, that, that's no joke. He puts you in a situation that feels like a coffin. He puts you in a situation that feels like a cross. And you can't get out of it. You can't pull yourself out of it. He puts you in a job that feels like death. He'll put you in a certain situation that feels like death. And he says this because he wants you to experience the mighty power of his resurrection. He needs the world to see Christians who have been brought back to life by the power of God, experiencing a life that everybody around them knows there's no way, there's no way, there's no way but God. So he will actually take someone who on the outside doesn't look qualified. I want you to understand that one Christian that God raised up in the NBA 
that was preaching the gospel. Remember Jeremy Lin? Thanks, buddy. <laughs> this brother, they called it Lin San Sanity. And in every interview, all this man talked about was Jesus. Why do you think God gave him that platform where everybody knew he was God? Because anytime, no offense, an Asian, brother, an Asian guy is dunking on brothers, that's God. <laughs> the whole world went, that's God. You have an Asian man dominating the black NBA, it brought everyone's attention. And what did Jeremy Lin do with the attention? Glorified Jesus. So then now, he'll take a bad actor that ain't that good and then give you a platform to say, how did that person achieve that? And when you get the opportunity, don't tell him you manifested it. Tell him you serve a God who has the power of resurrection and I was dead, but now I'm alive. This is no joke. So I'm noticing multiple times where this singer who doesn't sing that good, this business person who doesn't know what they're doing, God will raise them up because he doesn't want people to say it's your talent. He wants people to say it's your God. And so if you feel disqualified, welcome to, this, to bringing God glory through your purpose because he doesn't pick you because you're qualified. He picks you because you're not, and he knows that people are going to say, that's God. And he wants you in front of all to see, to experience the power of his resurrection. So if you're going to experience the power of resurrection, then you can't be afraid of dreams dying. You can't be afraid of hope dying. You can't be afraid of relationships dying, because even if they do, we serve a God who has resurrection power, and that's how you get to know him. I don't want to get to know God that way. I want blessing, 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 increase. A little stagnant, blessing is cool. Money. Like just, that's what, that's what I want my life to be. But we don't want, anybody believing for something this year? Come on, make some noise if you're believing for something. You know what I can guarantee you no one in this room is believing for? To suffer for his namesake. I'm believing this is going to be my worst year ever, but God's going to be with me. No one believes for that. We only know how to believe for positive things. And, and this suffering that he's talking about is not negative. It's the process. When you want to get in shape, how many of y'all know that process is not fun? I don't know why they don't make kale taste like fried chicken. I don't know why. But it's not fun eating healthy. It's not fun getting in shape. It's not fun preparing for a marathon. There's nothing in this life where the preparation is fun. That's why you need faith. And God wants somebody to know you're so focused on having fun, you got to live by faith. You got to live by faith. And Paul says he wanted to know this mighty power through God raising him up through suffering. He says, and I want to experience, um, I want to suffer with him sharing his death. So in one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace will increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized... Somebody say first album. We're into Christ Jesus. We're baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him. Somebody say juicy. <laughs> buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. 
So he's literally in this verse saying, the beginning of this verse is ready to die, the end of the verse is life after death. So we too. Now here is the challenge that we're all gonna have. You are going to hear from God wild purposes, wild vision. God's gonna bless your business, God's gonna bless different things in your life, he's gonna give you family, people to oversee, but you know, one of the things that we don't understand about the resurrection is we get the cross. Think about that. Crosses are everywhere. There's no symbol for resurrection. Crosses are everywhere. And in the Catholic faith, Jesus is still on it. So we all understand that Jesus went to the cross, but we don't understand the power of resurrection. What I want you to leave here today is just a simple theological fact, a Bible fact about resurrection, is that when Christ died, it's more than when you die, you get to go to heaven. Did you know that part of the promise is that the reason why there is a heaven is so that when you go to heaven, you're waiting in heaven in this beautiful place of his glory for Christ's second return. And when Christ comes back, you'll be given a new body and you will reign with him. So God will use Christians and those who believe and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and that new heaven and that new earth is synonymous and working together all to bring God's glory and those who believe will be resurrected, walking around in resurrected bodies helping Jesus lead. Which is why one of the signs you are living in a resurrected life is God has asked you to lead something. And one of the other signs that you're living a resurrected life is he's asked you to lead people that are hard to lead. Come on, somebody with kids. Come on, somebody with your wayward employees. Because we think we're not doing a good job when we're not leading hell, but uh, leading well. But did you know that, that the guy who's in hell used to be in heaven, Satan? God lost 30% of his angels to pride. So if you haven't lost 30% of your employees, you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. You're doing better numbers than God. So what I'm saying to you is, is that that's what the believers were believing, that this life, you would go to heaven, but when Christ returns, you would come back resurrected, and they had put their hope in their resurrected life, so they didn't even care if they died in this one. This is the pinnacle of understanding the resurrection, where I am willing to die for God, because everybody in this room is willing to die for something if you love people. We're willing to die for our children. Some of you are willing to die for your dream. And if you're not careful, it will kill you. But they were willing to die for God, believing that one day God would resurrect them when he returned and they would walk around on this earth in their resurrected bodies. That is the pinnacle of understanding resurrection. If you get there, congratulations, because I'm not. I want to be here a lot longer. But that's what I'm trying to get to in my faith, where I'd be willing to die for God now, knowing that one day, even if it's a thousand years from now, I'll be a resurrected pastor walking around here telling everybody what to do, because I died for God. That's literally the theology of resurrection in its height. And I'm not saying that you all need to get there today. But if we dwindle that down, we got to start with being willing to make that first album. Not to be willing to die physically for God, but to let some things die in my life so certain things can live. That is, you know the Bible in Hebrews 6 says that what I'm telling you is elementary? What I just shared to you before is like the college course of resurrection. Hebrews 6 says it's elementary to talk about Christ died for you. We all get it. He was talking to some scholars. 
So I'm giving you the basis of it is, at one point you need to be willing to, because the Bible says no one can put new wine in the old wineskins, and it says in this verse that if we want the new purpose, the new blessing, the new favor, the new things that God has for us, we gotta be living a new life, a life shaped by the resurrecting power of Jesus and his word. So the Lord will give us the purpose before he gives us the transformation to let us know that he's with us, but we want our life to change without our souls and our walk with God to change. And he says, I'm gonna give you the purpose and then we're gonna go on a walk and you're gonna live a resurrected life. Everything you feel in your soul and in your heart that you're supposed to do is not for the old you, it's for the new you. Somebody asked me one time, I was with my ex-girlfriend for 12 years, and they asked me several years back, do you, do you, mix, you miss your ex-girlfriend? And I, 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 do you miss her? And I said, I said, not even like trying to be too, I said, I don't know her. This Julian was not with that girl. If I met her today, we'd have to get to know each other all over. That guy was wild. That guy was wild. This guy, I don't know her. We don't, we've never met. And, and, and I'm telling you, if you want to achieve everything God has for you, within two years, you need to be unrecognizable. Especially if your dream is that big, you cannot be the same you. Are we all on a journey? No. I'm going to lean into everything that God has for me, and I want to live the resurrected life. This is what Christ's resurrection, his death afforded us relationship. His resurrection afforded us transformation. We can change. Now, religion is changing without faith in God to help you, and you become self-righteous. Is everybody tracking with me? So some of you, you're already a Christian, but to be honest, you're not living that, that life after death, that resurrected life. You're still wavering back and forth, and some of you, you're visiting for the first time, and just like Biggie, you want your life to change, but you're trying to do it like he did through success and, and, and fame and influence and, and being recognized by people because you feel overlooked, and that's not the right process. God wants you to do that through faith in Jesus. And some of you, you're just here and you're discovering. And, and to use that analogy, when you were born, you were put in a studio and you're making the wrong music. We all got to make that album. We all got to let things go. If you saw me holding 10 boxes like this, and one said sin, and one said guilt, and one said shame, and one said feeling forgotten, and I was weighed down, would you hand me another box that said money? No, I'm already loaded down by what I'm carrying. You wouldn't set the money on top of all of that because I would drop it all. Instead, you would help me put down the things that I'm carrying that I shouldn't be carrying and replace it with the thing you want to bless. I didn't wear a double-breasted suit so you could clap like that. Y'all better give God some praise up in here. I don't normally dress like this. Did you hear what I just said to you? You would not give them the blessing. You would help them put down what wasn't blessing them. So if you're not careful, your entire life with God can just be the Ready to Die album where God spends your whole life helping you put things down. When he has something, he wants you to carry. But even in our humanity, we would not give someone the new thing until they put down the old thing, even if the new thing was good because the new thing would make them drop everything. And then you end up with nothing. 
And so I'm here to tell you that this is the process that, that, that Paul is talking about in the Bible. And, and one of the things that brings death in our life is just simply sin, which means falling short of the good things of God. And believing in Jesus defeats that death. And so no one has anything to worry about when it comes to that if you believe in Jesus. But I want to tell you something for those in this room that don't. I want you to write this down. Every dream, every purpose, every desire that is pursued apart from faith in Jesus produces death. Everyone. This includes any effort at all to be more righteous or moral. That's why we don't need more godly laws. We need revelation. And I want to challenge even us, some of us, as, as, as we teach others, if I tell my kids, hey, um, eat, eat broccoli, and I don't tell them what's in broccoli, right? I just tell them to eat it. The rule in this house is we eat broccoli. After a while, they're going to hate broccoli, and they're going to crave McDonald's even more because mom just keeps saying or dad keeps saying, eat broccoli. But if you sit down with them and you unpack what's in broccoli and the nutrients and you give them vision for how it's going to help them be strong and be able to play sports, they might actually enjoy it. But if you make it a rule without a revelation, they want to. And that's what the church has done for many years. The revelation is the relationship. So God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. And all relationships have rules whether they're unspoken or not. You know what one of the rules in is my marriage? I can't stay out all night. Did I, have I done that when I was single? Absolutely, especially unsaved, just come in the house at 4 a.m., where you at? Yeah, I was at a party, I didn't have nobody to answer to. But the moment I'm in a relationship, if I'm mature, she doesn't have to say, hey, can you not stay out till 5 a.m.? I just stop. Because the level of relationship that I have yields rules that are internal. So I can tell who you love by the internal rules that automatically happen. Oh, I love God too much to judge people. Oh, I love God. I don't need anybody to tell me to stop drinking and smoking because I love myself and I love God. And I don't want anybody around me. And I'm not saying if you're in that place that there's something wrong with you. All I'm submitting to you is that you're still on your first album. And you can be on your first album, and your first album means you get to go to heaven. But if you want the new wine, meaning new purpose, new vision, new blessings, you got to make the second album. Which means, what is the life I'm supposed to be living? And churches can be filled with telling people that they're going to get all the new things living their old life. And it's not true. Now, you will go to heaven, but I don't want to wait. Like we say that all the time. Somebody dies, they're in a better place. That's not what God wants. He wants you to be in a better place today. You could be in a better place today because the Bible says that our job is to make things on earth as it is in heaven. So if you want to be in a better place, you don't need to die. You just need to make the second album, life after death. And Jesus says that you can have life and have it more abundantly. But he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So if you want the resurrected life, you got to go the way that God wants you to go. And if you want the resurrected life, you have to believe the truth that God wants you to believe, and then he will give you the life. So the key to the life is the way and the truth. We can't just do what God wants. We have to do what God wants God's way. We can't treat the Bible like a menu. Man, I'll take grace. Hold the obedience. <laughs> a little, you spring a little bit of giving on that too. I don't mind being a little giving here and there, drop a few dollars on. Nah, man. That's not the way it works. 
You can't have millionaire dreams and thousandaire generosity. Oh, it's all right. Look at this. So, so I, somebody said, I didn't come to Easter Sunday for this. I'm going to invite the team to come up because I want to point out a couple more things about resurrection. That before Jesus died, they were with Jesus. Jesus, by far, is the best spiritual leader who ever lived. Ever. And the disciples hung out with Jesus for three straight years. And when Christ went to the cross, none of them went with him. They were all afraid to die. All. And something happened when Christ was resurrected and he gave him the Holy Spirit. Every last one of those disciples, none of those disciples died a natural death. None. None. They were all persecuted. They were all, Peter was crucified upside down, hanging upside down for hours, Bible scholars say. None of them were willing to die. But something about receiving the Holy Spirit is they were willing to die for the cause of Christ. And the reason why is they were no longer afraid of death because they had a revelation of heaven and they had a revelation of the resurrected life. So why is a revelation of Jesus cheating death this weekend, defeating death this weekend, why is it so important to you? Because I want you to write this down. If you're not afraid to die, it's impossible to be afraid to live. And some of us are afraid to live. God gives you something in your heart that you know he's called you to do, and you're afraid of failure. You start a business, and the six months numbers aren't what you thought, and you feel like maybe I should have done something else. We're afraid to live because we're afraid to die. And we cannot be afraid of death because for Christians, there is no death. We live for eternity with Christ. That's why that revelation is so important because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he puts eternity in your heart. So if you know that, nothing in this life will make you afraid. If God tells you to do something, you'll do it. You'll do it. Think about this. In, in, in Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. You know how powerful that is? Because now you can live with a faith and a boldness that changes everything. And I want to close with this because I really believe this is for somebody in this room. It's literally one of the most famous uh, scriptures from the resurrection. It's in Luke 24, verse 5, where, where the, the scripture says, And as they were frightened, because the angel had showed up and told them that Christ was risen. It says the angel showed up and they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? And I felt like I wanted to tell you today, my people, this is what the Lord showed me, my people are looking for the right thing in the wrong place. My people are looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I think about Biggie making that, that, that first album and being ready to die, and he thought that success in his fame would make his life longer, and unfortunately, it actually cut his life short. The man died at 24 years old, and while his music still lives on, I, I really believe that God is saying that he, he was looking for the right thing. He wanted a new life, but success and fame is not where you find it. 
You find it in Jesus. And so the same question that the angels asked those women, I ask you, why do you look for the living among the dead? I know you're hoping you make it in that entertainment career, but that's the living among the dead. I, I pastor these people. That many of them are dead. I have people in my life who have everything I thought I wanted, and, and, and they're texting me. Man, I need a word today, man, I'm struggling. And they're millionaires, and they need Jesus. Why do you look for the living among the dead? When you feel down and depressed, and, you, and, and I'm not here to judge anybody, but you go to the nightclub and you're hoping to meet somebody and you get drunk because you're just feeling down. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Forget judgment. Why do you look for the living among the dead when you go to the mall and you buy something and you call it retail therapy because you know you're depressed and alone? Why do you look for the living among the dead? In God's presence, there is life and life more abundantly. He knows what you're looking for, but he says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Are you tired of looking? I was so exhausted. I'm so, the biggest reason I'm grateful to be a pastor, being a pastor is hard, but I am so grateful to be your pastor because I was so tired of looking. Every new thing was going to make me feel better. Every new thing. When this happens, I'm on the in-between right now, but when, when this happens, I'm, things are going to be good. And then that thing would happen, and it wasn't good. And then the needle kept moving, and I needed more. And when I was a songwriter, if I could just get a publishing deal, everything's going to be okay. And I got a publishing deal, and then it was, if I could just get a placement on somebody's album, and then I got a placement on somebody's album, then I could just win a Grammy. And then I didn't get the Grammy. It just kept moving. So I'm grateful that the search is over because I stopped looking for the living among the dead. And for the rest of my life, I will be serving you, creating this beautiful second album called Life After Death because I was willing to let things go. Now, some of you are here for the first time and, and you haven't even started the first one. And I gotta invite you to death and not a death where I tell you what's killing you. You know. You know the weight you're carrying. You know the depression you feel. You know that lost and hopeless feeling. And you know you're searching. And Jesus just says, come to me. I created, I created you so that you would return. And he's here with open arms saying, it's time for you to come home. It's killing you and you know it. I'm not talking to the people that think everything's good. I'm not talking to people. Remember, Biggie made that first album because he's desperate. I'm not talking to the people who think they're good. I'm not talking to the people who, 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 who wore something really nice to church and you're just here and no matter what I say, you'll never come back. I'm talking to somebody desperate right now. I'm talking to somebody who could say it was all a dream. I'm not walking in the reality of what my dream is for my life, and I need Jesus. And there's this desperation coming up in my soul right now, and I know that 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 Pastor Julian is talking to me. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to somebody with a Gucci belt, and you're just gonna leave early because you wanna beat traffic. I'm talking to somebody who's tired and exhausted from searching for good things in the wrong place. Places. 
you can come to the Lord right now. You can come to your Heavenly Father right now. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. It is time for you to come home to be with your Heavenly Father. So I'm going to count to three. And here is the amazing thing about grace. You only need to do two things. You need to believe in your heart genuinely, and only God knows that. And you need to confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord. You need to do those two things. Here's what's beautiful about that. My wife and I have bought cars. We've applied for apartments, and they wanted more information from us to get a car than God wants from you to get into heaven. All you need is to have them in your heart and confess them with your mouth, and you are saved. How beautiful is that? You're going to count to three. If somebody wants to come home to the Lord, remember, you're tired. You say, hey, making that first album, I'm desperate, but I want the life after death too. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. If you want to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hands high into the heavens so all uh, of heaven can see you. The Bible says if you uh, um, acknowledge me in front of others, I will acknowledge you in front of my Father. So on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hands high if you want to come home to the Lord. Look at hands going up. Keep your hands high. Keep your hands high. Keep your hands high. There's hands everywhere in the balcony. There's hands in the additional seating in the underground. Come on, church. If you're safe, you're going to see your brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven. I need you to stand to your feet and shout unto the Lord. God, you are so good. We are grateful 